We are back. It is the Berlickly Correct Podcast. I'm Mike. Tommy's on the other side. I just got chiropractically adjusted. My teeth are getting chiropractically adjusted by Invisalign. This podcast unofficially brought to you by Invisalign. So if there's a little lisp, a little, my S's are a little drawn out. I sound like a snake. You know why. Um, but we're doing well here. It is the 14th of May, 2019. And we have finally found time in our busy, busy schedules to get back in here and give the people what they need. How you doing, Tommy? Good. Mikey Sports Car with the all of the adjustments. I have some questions regarding your chiropractor work. I thought we had this discussion before, but I'm glad you're getting <laughs> realigned, getting your teeth straightened out. That's always a bonus. And yep. happy to be back in the studio with the great listeners. And I'm glad we could make this scheduling work out for the both of us. Yeah, I know you're a very busy man. Got a lot of things going on. So it's good to ha- good when we can get you in the studio. Absolutely. So back to your back alignment incident. So that's working for you? I believe yeah. so. Um, yeah. I respect the all the chiropractors out there, by the way. This is not an anti-chiropractor podcast, but it's a questioning chiropractor podcast. We're skeptical, baby, yeah. and we're going to look at things, and we're going to analyze them. We're going to see if they're valuable or not. That's what we yes. do. So, chiropractic adjustments. The scientific evidence is not great, right? So, uh, people are like, oh, studies, blah, 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 that sort of thing. Here's my personal experience. Anecdotal experience is not great when proving points. It can be extremely misleading but here it is anecdotal experience and why i think my anecdotal experience and the studies don't line up and where the gaps are and why they don't line up so my anecdotal experience is i go to a chiropractor i get adjusted and i feel better when i walk out i if i have any nagging issues it takes care of them it takes care of them, makes them better, and allows them to heal quicker. So the studies don't show that, right? Long-term um, chronic pain, it doesn't really help in the long term. It, it's kind of a short-term fix. But I, I agree with that. I agree with those studies. Just just when, picture in your mind the average person going to a chiropractor, all right? Okay, got it. Do you mm-hmm. have them? Okay, good. I'm that average person. Is that person doing all the things they need to to take care of their body outside of the chiropractor and prevent these issues from reoccurring in their life? Debatable. Exactly. So I think the majority of people who go to a chiropractor, they get adjusted, they feel better, but then they keep doing all the shitty things that they've been doing that puts their body back in the state it was before they got to the chiropractor. So when they ask them long-term pain relief, people are like, nah, my pain's the same. It's been, you know, the same as it always has been. Well, that's because you keep fucking up over and yeah, over again. And maybe it's just staying the same versus job. degrading. could be part of your job. could be things that you can't avoid. Yeah, it could sitting be. Sitting in an office. But so like sitting in a car. Sitting in an office. A yeah. Heavy labor. Get the standing desk, get a, a Capisco whatever chair that's like forty thousand dollars. Yeah, we all have that laying uh, around. Yeah, right. exactly. It's hilarious to me when Rogan oh, recommends love that. that to people. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, so great. Yeah. Go ahead and love, recommend a twelve hundred dollar chair love, to the normal <laughs> average everyday listener. I love the real world solutions. Oh yeah, you should 
Yeah, get these chairs. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. And some people don't have forty seven percent of Americans don't have four hundred dollars for an unexpected bill and you're asking them to spend twelve hundred dollars on a goddamn chair. Oh, you're telling me you can't install a sauna in your living room? That I seems can. like a you Other people that can. seems like a you problem right there. <laughs> that sounds like a you problem. Yep. Yeah. Why don't you throw a oh. sensory deprivation tank in it while you're at it? Oh, so many I feel like we shot on Rogan a little too much, but I lo- well, I have to. I have he's to not the only one out. either. There's other. No, he's not. There's plenty of other people and who are very, very well off, and that's not their fault. But it's their thinking that solutions can be made for everybody, and they're not applicable for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things is him saying. That everybody should just follow their dreams. <laughs> everybody. Just go for it. Just stop being such a fucking pussy. I know it's scary. It's going to be tough and you might have to eat ramen. And stretch. And like sleep on your friend's couch. And make your own kombucha. <laughs> but, but yeah, just go for your dreams. Just do it. And like it'll work out as long as you never quit. Just don't quit. Just, just you know, work hard and, and do that shit and it'll work. It might have worked for you, which is awesome, Mister Rogan. Taking that away, because Ro- Rogan also likes to play play down his intelligence and his own abilities, and so he's always said he's a dumb dumb. He's like, "Oh, I'm I'm a dummy. I'm not very smart. That sort of thing." Well, he finally took a fucking IQ test. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sold on the results of that test. <laughs> oh, regardless, regardless, regardless Ro- Rogan is above average average intelligence. I believe it was like 129 or 132 on that IQ test. If you're not familiar with how IQ to tests work, the average is a hundred. A hundred is the average person. So he is, he's a third smarter than the average person. He's so maybe, just maybe, you're an exceptional individual, and your advice doesn't apply to the normal person. Just, just a right. Thought. But he still says some incredibly ignorant things on a regular basis. So, yes, and that's a dichotomy that, like, a lot of people can't wrap their 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 minds around. You can be extremely intelligent and believe some dumbass shit. Right. A lot of other factors. Tons of other factors. So, um, societal factors, social group factors, environmental factors, all sorts of stuff. I mean, Eddie Bravo is not the dumbest person in the world, <laughs> but he believes some goddamn dumb shit. <laughs> it's all part of the entertainment. You know, obviously he has intelligence in certain areas. He is a jiu-jitsu freaking mastermind. I mean, he 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 basically thought of a way to do jiu-jitsu that nobody else had ever thought of in the history of jiu-jitsu. And he defeated one of the greatest Gracies um that that was competitive and competed in tournaments of all time while he was a brown belt because his style was so unique obviously he's very smart but man he believes some dumb ass shit and if you're offended by me calling uh believing in flat earth uh being anti-vaccine call into the podcast uh, let's yeah, have call you into on. the podcast we would love to talk to you love to talk to you did we get any emails from our last 
flyer oh, we message? Did not. No. Shoot. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was hoping that guy would tune in. Yeah. Same. Same. Yep, we're just not there yet. We're not though. there. Just not there well, yet. It's a process. We will be. Trust the process. We're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah, once we're uh, both off probation, then we can be a little more willing. Oh, to yeah. All day, things. every day. Yeah. At work. At home. Yep. Just in our general lives. But, yeah, so to circle back, the chiropractic, I, it works for me. I kind of believe in it based upon what I have experienced and just like logic logically it seems like things would get out of alignment and it does because people you know have anterior pelvic tilt posterior pelvic tilt um scapular dyskinesis or whatever the fuck they call it uh shoulder blade issues you know tight hip flexors all that sort of stuff and it is it, it makes sense to me that you could possibly put things back into alignment temporarily and make things a little bit better. I do know ribs come out of alignment, and I've had a rib put Ooh. back in. That, that's a real thing. So, I mean, this is basically just that on a wider scale. So, Shoulders get dislocated. They put those back. That's basically a chiropractic adjustment, right? I don't know. Sure. Bro science. Bro science. Just making shit Pro up. Science on the politically correct Pull podcast. Rogan. Exactly. Cool. So yeah, got my chiropractic adjustment. Went for a run this morning. It's a Pacific Northwest morning. A little sprinkly. Sixty-ish degrees, fifty-ish degrees, sprinkling. Let me ask you a question, Tommy. Okay. What is your opinion on men wearing tights? What's the situation? The weather that I had to deal with this morning, wearing the tights to go run. So, I believe there's a lot of factors that go into tight wearing. I see some some bros at the gym who will wear like the three-quarter length tights like Kevin Durant wears on the basketball court. Caprice. Right. But no, but these, yeah, but they're like the dry fit tights and then they have shorts on on top uh-huh. of those. And I think uh-huh. that is just over the top, patently ridiculous. And I'm not really uh-huh. sure why what the look is. Maybe it just looks cool. Maybe they're insecure about the tops of their calves or whatever the reason may be. So in that instance, I think it's unacceptable. I think if you're on a track and you're a track athlete and you run a sub 52, 400 meter, you're allowed to wear tights. If you run a sub... 24 second 200 meter you can wear tights if you run a sub 11 mm-hmm. 5 100 meter you can wear tights on a track wow Spe- specific parameters those are there. those are the cutoff times give or take <laughs> a couple tenths of a second but uh that'll be on a case-by-case basis we'll have the committee review that and <laughs> there's not a whole lot of reasons why so when you say tights you're not talking about like the sweatpants you're talking like tight tights oh yeah these are yeah. full length tights that i actually had for grappling um jujitsu and in, in jujitsu tournaments they make sense because a you're out there trying to intimidate your opponent and if you got those thunder thighs you, you want to show them off yeah if you look like a satyr in a pair of grappling tights you want to put that out there however it's very aggressive too because <laughs> 
everything is on display in full, just like front and center, right down Main Street. Yeah. Um, no, you want that ham and cheese you coming know, right at you for sure. <laughs> but we're a bo- we're it's aggressive. It's, it is. We're body positive though. This isn't about body shaming. It's not necessarily like. Despite what I may have said about the times you have to run in order to wear them, it's not about like embracing your curves or like embarrassing anybody because the way your body looks. It's just, I think there's a time and place for them, and most people fail to embrace and understand the time and the place. Definitely. And so I was having this dilemma myself deciding to go run this morning. I didn't want to be cold. I don't like sweatpants because they're too baggy. Yeah, I actually and then mm-hmm. I run in sweatpants. And then my sweatpants have and it's, it's yeah, and I have a I have a drawstring, mm-hmm. and sometimes it comes yeah. loose, and then I have to fiddle with that, and it's just it's a mess. Yeah, I I run in sweatpants, and I know exactly what you're talking about, but I kind of embrace that. It's like almost like you're running with like a parachute on, pretty much. You're running with little resistance. <laughs> it's resistance training, but it, yeah, I hear if you. You're, if you're actually looking for like to beat a personal best time, don't wear sweatpants. Yeah, and it, as well, it just like keeps me a little bit warmer because they're close to the body, retains body heat a little bit better. It, it just made sense to me in my mind. So I was making that decision, and and it wasn't whether or not I was going to wear the the tights, is whether or not I was going to throw shorts over them. Because man, like I said, it's aggressive. It's aggressive. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, I don't know, like. You might give elderly individuals a heart attack. You know, there might be there might be know, kids around, young children right. that you're corrupting. That's a big thing too. It's just it gets weird. Well, this, it gets weird. Right, and and this goes back also. You could take it to another level and say, when is it okay to run without a top on if you're a male? Because that's also kind of that's debatable these days. Because females can't run without their tops on, but males are allowed to run with their tops off. So, what's I don't know if this is right. Females it is debatable, off. but yeah. I feel like I feel like that's comparing a misdemeanor with a felony. You know the 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 top we see that more often in general society. It's not very often that you see the complete outline of the three piece set in public. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe it's Maybe just exposure ki- and yeah. how desensitized we've become to certain things. Absolutely. Definitely desensitized. I mean, should it, should it really matter? I don't I think mean, so. you know what's underneath Like, nobody it. should really give a fuck, you know? But it's societal norms. It's, it's... Mm, well, you could take this back a long time. Yeah, you can. And you can blame religion for a lot of it. Big, yeah, uh, it's big. No, but anyway... <laughs> I mean, there's people that but are calling it, for, it, like, Lululemon to be banned and s- sweatpants, tight pants for female wear to be banned because it shows outlines. And that's just un-American. <laughs> Super un-American. But also American <laughs> in the sense that it's a Christian, quote-unquote, value to not reveal that much. Agreed. So, agreed. Modesty. Right. Modesty. But... I don't know. It it shouldn't it shouldn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like people shouldn't I say that way too much. But 
people shouldn't be paying that much attention to other people and what they're doing and it shouldn't bother them that much but obviously a lot of people I mean comment on all sorts of things that complete random strangers that they've never met never spoken to a day in their life they they just completely judge them and disparage them or praise them or whatever you know and that's that's what we are I guess as humans that's what we do we're constantly judging other people when really it's none of our fucking business. If I want to run in tights, I should be able to run in tights. I should be able to fucking cinch those up right in the groin and have it all on display. I think we're getting closer to that. And run. I think we're getting closer to that. We are. I think we're moving in that right. direction. That's for I damn think sure. That's becoming more acceptable. Is wearing what you want to wear outside, mm. especially in the summer. Some of the bathing suits these days, very little to the imagination. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then I feel like um, the sort of speedo type bathing suits are making a comeback for men Ooh, too. I haven't seen those. I feel like I feel like Aubrey country? Marcus and his um, commune <laughs> down there at ONNIT. They are uh, they're at the forefront of that movement. Kyle Kingsbury mm-hmm. is always rocking that speedo. Ah, it's an interesting look. I think Europe. It I think is. That should stay in Europe. <laughs> South America. It's it's just never that hot, never that hot for me, and I don't know. I've never been a. It's uncomfortable for me too. Then right, because we're talking about construction and where those lines are like laying, and that's just digging, yeah. digging right that's into just your different. thighs. There's it's, different, it's not smooth and no, comfortable for different me. Different appliances down there. Mm-hmm. But I think we've spent probably enough time. Talking I'd about say probably enough time. And yoga. I don't I'd know. Say we can push we, it a little longer, but we can push everything a little farther. Carry, carry on. Uh, you know what time it is, Tommy? Game time. Because we've made this kind of, it, well, almost <laughs> game time. But it, it, we, remember when that was a thing? We've made. Yeah. Yes, I still that's, say that uh, all the time. It's, it's the worst, time which it is why yeah. it's the best. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> no exactly. one's ever been motivated a- ever. Like. No, not one of Ray Lewis's teammates were ever motivated by that moniker. No eighth grade locker room was ever motivated by that. I've never, no one's ever been motivated by that. Yet we're obligated to say it for whatever reason. Zero people. Zero people. It's like the, do you remember the Under, the Under, Under Armour commercial? Uh, which one? They've had yeah. a couple of cheesy ones. Yeah. The uh, Who Will Protect This oh, House. Gosh. Yeah. Those like, you could hear the cleats coming down like the, the walkway. Yeah, those yeah. are something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we should probably so we've been we've made a habit out of this the last couple podcasts without consciously making a habit, and it's time for the measles. Oh, update, I believe it's kind of our favorite segment, whether we knew it was or not. It, it, yeah, it wasn't even consciously a segment. It was just something that we would end up talking about no matter yeah, what. Yeah, we didn't talk about it beforehand. It's, just it's never been on, on the minutes, the agenda. It just somehow pops up out of nowhere. Huh. Yep. So we've done it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it is the month of May. If you don't know, there are t- 12 months in the year. Yeah, you know. This is m- month five. And we have reached 800 and 39 cases of measles in 2019 which is the most in 25 years we are on a historic measles run 
right now. And we're just getting started. Like I said, it's May. We have seven more months to do this. I don't know how far back we can go. I don't know. I mean, we may get, we may push pre-vaccine era. Ooh. We're... Those are big numbers. We're right getting there. close to pre-follow-up vaccination because at first it was just one dose of the vaccination, and then they started recommending a second dose of follow-up. And with the follow-up rates dropped even further, that's that's the next milestone. That's what I have my eyes on is the beginning of that recommendation of the second follow-up dose of the vaccination. So we're getting there, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. Thank you for for your contribution. We all did it. Um, we all did it. And no matter your title, children. your role was vital. And the herd immunity is now a herd Im- immunity. Immunity. <laughs> we successfully. We are compromised. It. That's we, for sure. As a herd, we have done it. Hand in hand. Yep. Arm in arm. As one. <laughs> we work together to overcome to protect this house. Uh, and and I do want to give some special designation to the state of New York because they are leading the way in this measles yeah. epidemic. And they have the most cases out of any other state. The Big Apple doing it big. Doing it real big. And, and I was interested to learn that the reason for the Big Apple doing it so big is because there is a particular Orthodox Jewish community Easy. in New York that, that the anti <laughs> that the anti <laughs> that the anti vaccination uh, movement had kind of gotten into and in- infected. Uh, that's anyway. Easy. Um, <laughs> and the reason it, I was listening to this podcast and they were thinking about the reasons that this is, and it's because. This community is not one that is as inclined to research things on the internet and and that sort of thing. So when an idea gets to a community that doesn't doesn't have built into it these exterior means of fact checking thing, if certain charismatic individuals spread the idea, it can spread pretty quickly and and take over. So I I found that interesting. That's not good. For uh, groups that already may or may not appreciate Orthodox Jewish beliefs, that could be used. Oh as no, not at thought. all. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not yeah. good. It, it, <laughs> and if you couldn't guess why I was saying easy, was because this could easily be miscued for some bad anti-Semitic beliefs. Yikes! Absolutely, right. but but those same. If you're that kind of person, then you need to also look into uh, hating on tenth. <laughs> yes, but hating on tenth planet jujitsu because those numbers have not been run mm. yet. Tenth planet jujitsu, if you don't know, is Eddie Bravo's jujitsu school. I want to know how many anti-vaxxers are in tenth planet jujitsu and their um, contribution to this this mm. uh, epidemic. Yeah. So what do you think? We get up to 2,000 by the end of 2019? Are we shooting for the stars? So if we fall, we land on the clouds. I mean, we're on, we're on pace. We're definitely on pace to hit 2,000. Yeah. But here's, here's what I'm 
envisioning, and I don't know, I didn't go as balls deep as to look up the number of active cases, mm-hmm. but it seems as as more people get infected, it more increases. people are then, yes, it's, uh, exactly, it's a snowball right. effect. What do they call that in uh, in economics? Exponential. Yeah, sure. Exponential growth. Uh, yeah. Compound. Compound yes, growth. Compounding interest, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but with measles. <laughs> Exactly. So it looks like in 1991, they got 5,000. So that'd be tough yeah, to beat. Tough to big, beat. Big big year 1991 was. Um, so yeah. we we really have to <laughs> really have to Yikes. rely on that compounding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. What was that like scenario they used to outline? It was like if you make one penny and double that penny for like. A year, you'll be a trillionaire. Like, cool. That's really relatable. <laughs> That'll happen. That's how num. That's yeah, how like numbers if work. You, it's like if you fold a piece of paper, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> sweet. Like twelve times, it reaches the moon. So, are you gonna give me this billion dollars, or how does this work? Because I'm not I'm not tracking you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to throw that throw that good old so, update out there. Uh, in an attempt to not just criticize, do we have solutions? And I know we're kind of making fun of this, but this is obviously a pretty serious situation and there has been fatalities and likely can be more fatalities. But do we have what do, what do we do here? That's very tough to come up with a solution to this because the solution is undoing the individuals who believe this their their entire paradigm deconstructing mm. it and getting changing their entire social groups changing the information that they're constantly inundated with it's going to be extremely difficult you know how do you how do you stop neo nazis from being neo nazis how do you stop clansmen from being clansmen Fair. you True. know it, it it takes an entire paradigm shattering event or a series of events to undo the damage that has already been done. So measles is back, baby, and it's not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't going. (sighs) Break out the Sean P. Diddy combs because it ain't going nowhere. (laughs) It's always a good time when you can quote P. Diddy. And that was our measles segment for <laughs> Tuesday, May 14th. Yeah, <laughs> that is your measles update brought yep. to you by uh, something, <laughs> CVS, where you can get your vaccines. No, but we highly recommend. Let's moving on to other things that are popular in culture. Mm. Are you a Game of Thrones guy? Ooh, of course not. I'm a contrarian. Way too. I, if everyone's on one yeah, side, yeah. I gotta go to the other side. Uh, so no, I'm not. I just thought with your, I just thought with your history of right. good relationships if with the HBO shows. Uh, allow, I okay. Allow me to retort. I, I have nothing against Game of Thrones. I think it's from everything that I've heard, must watch entertainment, and I think I would absolutely 100% enjoy it. The reason why I didn't. I just haven't seen a single episode. I feel like I missed the initial onslaught of Game of Thrones. I was like five seasons behind. And then I was just kind of overwhelmed because they're like, I think, hour-long episodes. 
was like, all right, this is like 60, 70 hours of TV that I'd have to make up to just even be in the conversation. And I just haven't made that commitment yet. But I don't have any against it. I'm sure it's awesome. It's It sounds like something that I would enjoy. Would enjoy. And that's my thoughts on Game of Thrones. Sweet. Sweet. So we can't discuss Not that a single thing. Oh, uh, we could talk about the mountain. I know I know about that guy. All those downloads. Yeah. Okay. okay. Nope. Right. You know yeah. the mountain? Do you know who that guy is? He's somewhat relevant yeah. right now. Uh, he just became officially half Bjorn Half Thorn Bjorn Half Thorn Bjorn IKEA. Yeah, he just became yep. the <laughs> world's strongman because he lifted like a boulder over his head. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, super strong. Super strong. Yeah. He used to be a like a basketball yeah. player. Have you seen those pictures? Uh, yeah, he used to be a little, a little bit skinnier. And then he started taking some supplements that... Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that he's... Let's not just go throwing around that's accusations. That's not an accusation. Willy, willy that's Millie. a statement that he has on the record saying and that I don't think yeah. anyone would dispute. O N N I T use code yeah. word. <laughs> uh, hemp protein. Sure. <laughs> That's what you want to call it. Uh, yeah, he's just an Oh, animal, for sure. He doesn't have to, I mean, even if he being. didn't, he would obviously be a freak. Yeah. So, though you may not watch yeah, Game of Thrones, talk did, about you it, bro. See, did you see that they left a Starbucks yeah. cup? So, I don't, I don't know all the X's and O's of Game of Thrones, but I know the storylines outside of Game of Thrones. And so the Starbucks cup, to me, and pull out your tinfoil hats. Oh, no. Don't go there. That's like the ultimate product placement you could have within a show, right? One of the biggest episodes of the biggest television shows of the last 20 years. I don't know. You, You have your product there, and you're having it talked about. Non-stop. It's... Yeah. I'm not saying they did it on purpose, but... Mikey Reynolds rap. That's... <laughs> how much... Uh, okay, I don't know if I believe it, but how much do you think Starbucks paid to get on there? Oh, at least tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's huge. That that advertising space, that's yeah. bigger than Yeah, I mean, Super they Bowl. talked about it so much that I even knew about it. And I don't watch the show. Yeah, it it doesn't matter if you watch they the cross show or platforms. not. Exactly. Huh. Huge. And if it is long Starbucks. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything against Starbucks, if we're being honest. Yeah, taking over the world. Taking over the world. Uh, if we want to continue on HBO shows, I I did start one recently. Pretty big news in my world. Because I haven't watched one in a while. True Detective? No, I, Fin- I still started? haven't, and and that's a me problem for sure. Chernobyl, ever heard of it? Kind of a big deal. Yeah, I've heard of it yeah. before. What? Uh, they had a little accident or something? Yeah, just a little nuclear fault. It's gonna harm the planet for the next forty thousand years. But they just made a sweet show about it, uh, miniseries on HBO. I saw the first episode, so that's pretty cool. How was Good. it? Good. I liked it. I. I have a problem committing to TV shows right now, but I, this is one that I think will stick. And it seemed like they stuck to the, the plot so far. Uh, everything has been accurate as far as I know. And it's cool to see that... It's cool to see an incident like that get the HBO 
production treatment because what I've seen of Chernobyl was in the 80s and well obviously that's when the incident happened and it's kind of grainy footage but it's cool to see HBO get all their cool fancy camera work and, and do it from their point of view so that's what I've enjoyed so far yeah that sounds great and I'll probably have to check it out after this what are your thoughts on nuclear energy <sighs> oh, that's uh, that's something um <laughs> I'm for it because um, I think it's the, uh, this is a loaded term, but a cleaner form of energy versus coal and other fossil fuels. But we've seen that we might not have it all figured out yet with Fukushima and Chernobyl. It's one of those things that it can be great if you harness that energy correctly, but it could also end the world simultaneously. So it's this dragon, Game of Thrones reference there, monster that you have to be able to contain. And if you can, I think it can be used for good. But if an accident like Core Reactor 4 exploding in Chernobyl in 86, Fukushima happening two decades later... You've got some serious seri- three mile three island. Mile island. You got some serious issues on your hand, on hand. So it's it's complicated. Would be my Facebook status at this point. Very complicated. It is the potential benefits are huge. I mean, technically, if we just got enough nuclear power plants, we could basically stop global warming in its tracks. Not for that, but at the at the same time, like you're saying. There's some tremendous risks associated with that. So kind of sucks <laughs> yeah. because it's like it's right it there. Is. It's right it there. Is. There's the solution, right. but oh, super dangerous. Super what I didn't dangerous. know about Chernobyl is that the other reactors, there was like two or three of them that weren't part of the incident in 86, were still in use until like 2000, which I, I, wow. yeah, I just figured out, just read about that the other day. Now I'm on a big Chernobyl kick right who's, now. Who's manning those? Whose man's <laughs> is that? I don't know. Some Soviet. Well, Soviet, not after 89. So, yeah, I don't know who was doing that. Not no yeah, more. Not no more. Uh, Gorbachev, tear down this core reactor. So, uh, yeah, I don't know who's, who's doing that. Also, fun fact about Chernobyl, uh, because humans are just very interesting human beings, now it's a huge tourist destination. Yeah, uh, Shane Smith. <laughs> yeah, from, from Vice, Vice went there. I remember they that. get like yeah. eighteen thousand visitors a year, and you can go like into the exclusion zone. Like they'll take you in there. Of course, of course they because will. Because of course you got to do will. it for the gram. Is there a better selfie than the Chernobyl factory? I'll wait. Is there a b- is there a better job than <laughs> being um, a tour guide for Chernobyl? Chernobyl. <laughs> Dude, I was watching this video of this this like. I don't know, a 30-year-old lady who was, like, the tour guide, and they were asking her, like, do you think this is dangerous? She's like, well, is smoking dangerous? Like, uh, yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got a point there. (laughs) Is driving a car dangerous? I'm like, well, yeah. The levels of danger are a little different there, ma'am. Is driving a car dangerous? I mean, I guess. What you should have said is playing Russian roulette dangerous. That's an equivalent, you know. Yeah, so I hope, Uh I hope, All right. I wish her the best. I guess they're saying if you stay on the path, you're okay, but I 
that's more like when you're like snowboarding, you're supposed to stay on the path, not when you're walking through Chernobyl, Pripyat, the Red Forest. So, mm-hmm. I mean, teach their own, I guess. It's pretty cool. <laughs> You'd probably get some followers. Yeah, super cool. Super cool. <laughs> I'd yeah, rather watch followers. like a drone footage of it, but that's just me. So, talk about other radioactive incidents that cause... Uh, mutations do you see the avengers movie <laughs> no <laughs> do you think i saw the avengers movie no, no. of course not neither did oh, i i'm okay it's i'm anti-superhero cool, it was like two point something billion dollars at the box office yeah it's cr- crushing it yeah but yeah i am not a fan of superhero movies i don't know oh, if you knew elaborate that. on that for our listeners i just we've been inundated with superhero movies i think for the avengers I don't know. I don't know the exact number. It's like 26 movies so or something. You don't hate the, event, built up the superheroes themselves. You just hate that it's a saturated market. Saturated market? I've just seen it all before. And it's basically the same person who's watching Avengers movies is the same person who watches the 17th season of American Idol. Right? Ooh. I mean, it's the same thing, mm-hmm. but a little different. <laughs> you know, it's just it's boring to me. And... I've seen that movie. Literally, I have seen that movie like thousands of times. Uh, Batman, all that, all that stuff. You like I, Batman? I've had enough. I I tapped out on when Christopher Nolan left the superhero game. That's why I left. What about the so, new Joker movie? Well, actually, let's take the Avengers. I'll get to the Joker. So, yeah, it's just same characters, same unbeatable bad guy. Same sort of issues we're dealing with, just slightly different. Just like the Transformers 1, 2, 3, I don't know how many Transformers we're on now. Just like Fast and the Furious 1, 2, 3. It's just, I stop. I stop after a certain point because it's the same movie over and over again. Your thoughts? I don't, I don't really care either way. It's not what I, it's not really my thing. I don't really watch it, but obviously there's plenty of people out there that do enjoy it. I I, th- I think Iron Man's part of the Avengers, right? Yeah, I like the Iron Man series. Correct. That was fun. I didn't really get on board. The, you like the second one? I think so. Was that the one with uh, Mickey Rourke? Mickey yeah, Rourke. I like Mickey Rourke. I wasn't oh. a fan. I wasn't a fan. I don't of know if movie. it was as good as the first one, but I I thought it was entertaining. It was fun. I don't I don't think I had any problems with it when I saw it. Did they make a third one? Was there a third one? Oh, I'm okay. sure. I don't I'm know sure if I saw was. it. I, I don't even know if that's true or not, yeah. but it is I, true. I don't know. I, I guess maybe I like the actors more than the actual storyline superhero themselves. But is it racist that they replaced Terrence Howard with Don mm. Cheadle? <laughs> very, very much so problematic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone at Avengers or whoever makes those really cares what I think because they're obviously crushing the game. Yeah, if that's obviously. that's your thing. That's just your thing. so much yeah, money. Ridiculous. So much money, ridiculous amount of money. Who else is a part just. of the? I, the who's isn't the Archer guy from Hurt Locker? Wasn't he part of the Avengers? Or was that the other stuff? Jeremy Renner. Uh, was he in Hurt Locker? Jeremy Renner. Yeah, he was like the guy. He was. What's he was he? the EOD expert. Yeah. The, Speaking of movies that don't hold up to second viewings years later, that movie sucked. Really? You think so? Yep. Hurt Locker was 
garbage. Wait, you're saying you liked it the first time, but you didn't like it the second time? That's correct. Maybe you watched it while you're getting waterboarded, because I don't see why you would <laughs> think that differently of it. Here's why I think that differently of it. I think the first time I saw it, I hadn't been in the military. Uh, hmm. And then I was in the military, and then I watched that vi- movie, and I'm like, this is dumb. None of this would ever so happen. So you were an EOD <laughs> expert when you got out of the military, and you're like, oh, that's that's definitely not what that, would happen. That's correct. That would never happen. That is not how the sausage I, – I went to the sausage factory. I saw how it was made, and I'm like, this yeah. is not good. He would definitely not do that. <laughs> that's not what an IED looks like. Yeah, and then the dialogue or, also, you know, you add, you add on the fact that I've aged and matured, and the dialogue is just terrible in that movie. Maybe you just found out that it was directed by I think by it won Captain. an Oscar. It won Best Picture and Best Director. I don't don't fact yeah. check that. But maybe you found out that it was directed by a female, and that was your problem. Catherine Bigelow, shout out. So that sounds like something you should no, work on. No, I had on. no idea who directed it. Well, now no you know. No idea. Maybe cool. subconsciously now. Catherine Bigelow, there you go. There you yeah. Go. I didn't even know it was Jeremy Renner. I don't even remember yeah, that. I'm well. surprised you didn't know who that. Maybe you need, need to watch it for a third time. That's the rubber the rubber match <laughs> of the series. It's tied up one one, best of three. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Oh. But yeah, terrible movie. Hurt Not like a terrible did. movie. There's <laughs> a scene sucked. at the end where he's fucking walking. No, actually, I think it's. I'm not. I wasn't in the military, but I think there's a good scene at the end where he's walking through the grocery store. I feel like you have, you and I have talked about this before. Could be my CTE flaring up, but he was walking down the grocery aisle and just like staring at like a million cans of soup or something. And he, it was very, it was supposed to emphasize the difficulty that veterans have coming back to civilian life and just seeing this abundance of food and just Mm -hmm. kind of people going throughout their day. And he's used to something just of chaos and violence. Mm I thought that was a pretty powerful and scene. making mundane decisions with no consequence right. when you're used to making life. Yeah. Decisions. No, that that's, that's accurate. And that's a good portrayal. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> the rest of the movie sucks dick. It's fucking terrible. Entirely inaccurate. I encourage the I listeners. Guarantee, listeners I guarantee if you pull the EOD community, 99% of them, fuck it, will tell you to go fuck yourself if you uh, say Maybe that's from good. like a tactical standpoint, it. but I think they would find some benefit. And if not, then that's up to them. Somebody liked it. Yeah, yeah somebody <laughs> did. Not this yeah, guy. Huh? Clearly not this guy. <laughs> was the town better than the Hurt Locker? Speaking of Jeremy Renner movies. So I had low expectations going into the town because I'm like, oh, Ben Affleck's directing a heist movie that's set in Boston. I know exactly what this is oh, going to no, be. No, you didn't, though. <laughs> you know? No, you didn't. You didn't know about Dougie Hamilton and his oxy problem because he couldn't skate backwards and failed out of the NHL. You didn't know that was going to happen. You're a big town guy, big huh? Town guy. Did you just watch that? Watched every night before bed. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Blake Shut Lively. Fantastic uh, oxy addict portrayal. Yeah, yeah. Really sad, actually. <laughs> Yeah, her lager sucked. Town was okay. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. So, yeah, two of the biggest, you know, cultural events that happened this year, and we can't even discuss them, really, because we didn't see either one of them. So. That's why people tune in. Cool. That's why people keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, to the Joker, some people might like the movie. Are you a Joaquin Phoenix guy, and have you seen the trailer for the Joker? I am a Joaquin Phoenix guy, but he's like, 
he is I feel like he takes huge risks and those risks either pay off or they don't within his acting and more often than not they pay off it's kind of like he's the inverse M. Night Shyamalan M. Night Shyamalan more often than not they don't pay off and mm. then there's some gems within there signs uh, you got both <laughs> yeah yeah. it was a mix it was good and it was terrible but was they so were both <laughs> no no i was saying it was a great movie yeah, and they were both oh in it. joaquin phoenix and m9 yeah yes. they're both in yes. it oh it's a fantastic movie how dare yeah. you <laughs> i feel like it was good and bad at the same time if that makes sense no it was good the problem that what i was had the mark Wahlberg one where the earth was trying to kill all the humans do you remember that whoa what mark Wahlberg. <laughs> There's a Mark Wahlberg M. Night Shyamalan movie. That's a dynamic the, duo. Is that know, the, right? the other guys? <laughs> yep. That, the other guys was yeah. about global warming. Yep. It's, yep. Uh, yeah. If you read between the lines. Yeah. The Devil, the one where they're trapped oh, in the, no. uh, the elevator. No. Uh, what else? M. Night Shyamalan. I actually like some... Split. If you haven't seen Split, Solid I'm movie. I'm not Solid is. movie. James McAvoy. Jimmy Mack. Incredible acting on mm. his part. I mean, it was just just fantastic movie and very creepy and very scary. I'm not sure uh, Mr. Glass or Glass, the follow-up that was... Somehow he combined those two... Uh, whatever. We can go down an M. Night you Shyamalan You really could. Rabbit hole. You could have a, <laughs> yeah. a really long M. Night Shyamalan talk because I feel like he's had a very turbulent career. Yeah, it's all over the place, and there's so many different things to discuss about it, and it's all interesting. Whether or not it's terrible or it's great, it's all interesting. Uh, any so. press is good press. Any press so, is good back press, to the baby. Joker. But back to the Joker. So, yeah. uh, I'm not... Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that, actually. I saw, I saw the trailer. It looked pretty creepy, and I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to do a great job portraying him. The problem that I had, I'm a little scared... Of how in depth and deep Walking Phoenix is gonna go for this role, we tragically lost. What's his name? Heath Ledger. <laughs> we tragically lost Heath Ledger. <laughs> how soon we? Forget? No, no, no. I just had somebody else on my mind. We tragically lost Heath Ledger because he got so in depth with that role, and Walking Phoenix is already mm-hmm. a pretty, pretty interesting individual, and to go down this role, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure he comes out okay. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm saying. Definitely. Don't want to lose Joaquin. No. National treasure. He's hell of an actor. So. Yeah, that's that's something to be concerned about. And you asked me if I was excited for it or going to watch it, and I am. And that may seem contradictory to my statement, just shitting on superhero movies. But is he a superhero though? Because. This is a superhero villain, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It, it, it's in the same realm. Right. This is this appears to not be a superhero it's, yeah, or it's not. a villain it's movie. It's a prequel to all. This of is it. a th- well, not even a prequel. It's come up. This movie is not. It's not about you know villains or heroes or whatever. It's about human psychology and development. About bullying. And how the how yeah how the events in our life impact who we become, and that's an interesting movie to me. Not not you know oh are we going to defeat Thanos? Yeah, that's that guy. It's it's a movie centered around character development and it's centered around truisms about the human experience and I'm I'm all I'm all in on movies like that. Yeah, so. it's it's about if you could boil it down to the adverse effect of bullying and what happens when you bully people 
and mm-hmm. the negative outcomes that can happen down the r- line from that. A poignant movie wow. in our age of school shooters, school shootings, ah. church shootings, all that. Nice sort word of right there. Yeah, just throwing out yeah. vocabulary. I've been listening to a philosophy podcast recently, so no big deal. It's, it it's seeping into every other aspect of my life. I dropped life. the word ostentatious yesterday. I was pretty happy about that. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Lighten up the scoreboard. Oh, yeah. I was like six syllables. Pretty cool. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, pop culture, we, we covered a lot of those. That's solid. I think we got Hurt Locker, Except for other things that are super popular that I fucking don't care mm-hmm. about. Um, did you see that they named the royal baby Archie <laughs> or whatever? Uh, I saw the headline. <laughs> I didn't know. It's, well, is it Archie or Archer? Whatever. I don't know. I think it's Archie. Is it? I'm sure it's whatever it is, it's probably short for Archibald uh, because that's you're British. You're British as I think fuck. You have to be so Archibald. Yeah, I feel like everyone's name is Archibald. Um, Archie. Maybe they're big uh, Archie Manning f- people. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yep. S- huge. Huge. Was there some infidelity <laughs> amongst the princes and princesses lately, or whatever they're called? Or did I make that up in my head? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't Maybe know. Maybe I made that up but, uh, to get some viewing numbers. I'm very supportive of Meghan Merkel and anything that she oh. does. So. Big Meghan Merkel family <laughs> member, huh? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Just that's, that's the American-British dream right there, going from being on, like, Nabisco commercials to now you're, the, you know, married to the Prince of England. You think that would be fun? Crazy. Cinderella story. Do you think that would be a good life? Be a royal. I mean, it would be whatever you yeah. made it. I mean, right? it wouldn't be the worst. So obviously. I mean, it, I mean, you can make it literally whatever you want. You could make it. A, I don't know. It might kick you out if you you know do some go too crazy. Yeah, but that uh, once a royal, always a royal. You can't like they unroyal. Can't kick you it's out? like the Marines. It's <laughs> no, they can kick you out, but you can still claim that you are one uh, of them. <laughs> always faithful, even if you weren't faithful. Semper Fidelis. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. But you could you could make it whatever you wanted. You could go on freaking you know, crazy benders and overdose. That, that's what I had room. in mind, actually. Yeah. Oh. Or or you could be, become a world renowned philanthropist who does a lot of good work and, you know, helps a lot of people, or you could just, just kick you know, it sip tea and eat eat some crumpets yeah. all day and just do the little uh, side to side hand. It's what you so. make of it. A wise person once said. It is. Huh. It is. Yeah. You could be a pilot in the military. We repeatedly do. Royal Air Force. Yeah, you could... You could... Okay. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I mean, I don't want to... Sometimes I just go... Sometimes I just... I I go down conspiracy theory paths, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want to give too much credence because for me, it's just fun to, like, think about them and just play with them. But other people take them super serious and then, like, end up going down the steep, dark rabbit hole and, like, their whole life becomes conspiracy theories and it negatively impacts their lives. But you know this, what I'm talking about where he was being interviewed oh, on and then the, the and FOB then the, yeah, by a reporter. And they had, like, an incoming. And the alarm goes yeah, off and he goes yeah. running. Staged or not staged? Because I'm just so. I don't 
I'm so yeah. cynical that I'm like, I oh, think that everybody's was, that seen that video. Yeah. I, I don't know. Who cares? Forward operating base. It could have happened if he really was on it a could fob. Have and props to him because like he didn't have to live that life. He didn't have no. to do that. Didn't have to live that life no, at all. Total problem. You know, thought thought he was doing a good thing. What and that's the thing. Whether or not you that believe war, that the wars yeah. you support the war, you have to think, put yourself in the other person's shoes. And he probably thought he was doing the most good that he could do at that Definitely. moment in time. And he took and a very privileged, comfort life and threw it away to go join the military. I, granted, he can come back to that life, but yeah. to go serve that, yeah, definitely and pretty it, noble definitely noble and for people to shit on him for playing pool naked in vegas fuck off he did that fuck off no, that makes him more like it was either him or the as other long one as it wasn't i forget like, which, which one he yeah. wasn't like creeping anybody out if he was just with his lads nah it was he was in a las vegas suite oh he's with, with his, a couple of ladies oh, they're in his suite they're playing pool naked oh well you know yeah. who the bad person there is whoever filmed that well yeah, he, it's vegas off. it's his, his own personal suite yes they should have the man was a machine gunner on a helicopter yeah. Over in the Middle East. Let him Come live. on. He can play pool Let naked. The man live. If oh. just hate people trying to bring people yeah. down. Oh, oh speaking of phones and You can wear tights to go <laughs> running. <laughs> An hour later we got the verdict. Speaking of phones and invasion of privacy and maybe stealing and smashing a phone, it looks like our beloved Conor McGregor is off scot free for that little phone. Yeah, I got those charges. <laughs> Got those charges yeah. dismissed. I don't, I don't know, know how that how happened that either, but it must have been through due process and justice for all. <laughs> so um, let the man live. <laughs> let him live. We're still waiting on those um, rape charges. Yeah. Well, waiting on those, I guess. There but in the meantime, it it's, there it is. Yeah. Well, speaking of, spe- <laughs> speaking of being infidel, this infidel, this is that uh, what? Yeah, it might be over on the British Isle. Or Ireland, Dublin, yeah, Cork, somewhere uh, over there. Uh, yeah, you're going to get some hate for saying the British Isle. Yeah. There you go. Hey, man, any um, press is good press. That's why mm-hmm. I hear. <laughs> Conor McGregor is taking that to heart. Yikes. <laughs> Speaking of any press is good press, um, our commander-in-chief made some press. Because he's in a fight of his own with China. And he has decided to up the ante in the trade war that we got going on with China and their government. We are slapping that 25% tariff on $200 billion of Chinese goods. We are upping this, increasing the stakes. And, Tommy, would you say this trade war is going just as well as every other war the United States has fought in Asia? Or... It's it's a little squabble. That's that's the that's the term that our commander in chief is calling it. So that's what I'm gonna call it. It's a squabble. No big deal. It's a little squabble. Yeah. Uh, in terms of this we've is had, Vietnam. We've all had over some again. successful wars in Asia. I ever heard of the Japanese Imperial Army? Took care of them pretty quick. <laughs> um, yeah, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. That yeah, wasn't it was, great. It was super quick and not you know. Yeah. Well, it's all relative. It was quick if you judge it versus the war in Afghanistan. It was uh, 25%. uh, Yeah, a quarter of the time of that war so far. That's an indefinite war at this moment in time. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not going as as uh, probably as well as our commander in chief would like it to be going. But I also don't think he's going to admit that it's not going well. Of course not. He and. 
maybe we're the dummies and he's just playing fucking 40 chess Could and be. this is all going to work out and America's going to be great again. Who knows? But in the meantime, we are currently asking for an additional $15 billion in subsidies to basically provide welfare to farmers in the United States because they're going to get so decimated by this trade war with China. And that $15 billion is in addition to a $12 billion that we've already earmarked for them. Um, Trump is saying that China is paying for these tariffs, but Gold- Goldman Sachs and other financial analysts are saying it's really the American people as consumers I saw that. who are feeling the effects of this trade I war. I saw that rebuttal last night on the news. And... <laughs> the way it was laid out, the format was they let Trump say his quote, and then they gave one of these market experts the microphone. I was like, well, it's actually, if you fact-checked it, that's kind of the opposite of what's going on. And that mm-hmm. that market economist is not a true patriot. So that's where we're at right <laughs> now. It's funny to me because essentially what's happening here is Trump is – utilizing things that all of his supporters were probably fundamentally against before Trump got in office. And now they just like, don't give a fuck because what is he doing? He is using big government to affect free market capitalism and how we trade with other countries. He's disincentivizing free trade and he is using welfare to prop up a failing industry. So it's like I don't think the right really likes welfare at all, in in my knowledge. Except when Trump does yeah, it. Yeah, it's funny how that, funny okay. how that works. Hmm. Trump himself, who was the beneficiary of many government contracts in building his, and this huge air quotes here, real estate empire. Um, yeah, it's just interesting that something that they seem to so vehemently. Oh, I tried, but it didn't. Vehemently. Sorry, you got poignant right. I'm gonna bl- I'm blaming it on the inner uh, the, the uh, Invisalign yeah. here. The Invisalign You're blaming it on Iran. Blame it on that. Oh, yeah, that's a so, hot take. This is a hot take. <laughs> but it's just interesting to see them just to, to see people throw aside everything that they stand for or stood for when it's being perpetrated by somebody who they idolize. I guess the principles aren't really what matters. It's, it's the results. Your leader, it's the journey. Image. Something. Something. It's like the that. climb. But yeah, just <laughs> solid work by our commander in chief, and hopefully this whole forty chess move works out. And the economy's doing great. Uh, if you look at the stock market, didn't they drop like six hundred points yesterday? Ah. But little squabble from an all-time high. Little squabble. So it's like you know, it's back up today. Little squabble. I mean, it's just gonna keep moving, moving forward. I needed to keep moving forward because I bought, I bought a condo. Oh wow! So I need, I need the market to keep going onward and upward. There you go, big time. I'm now, par- I'm now part of the ruling class Ooh. who owns property in this country. You're the one percent. Yep, not, not literally, but you know, upper. Middle class. Wow. Definitely solidly upper middle class. Looking down on you guys now. Wow. How's the weather up there? Yep, just it's it's uh, a little cloudy. A little sprinkly. A little sprinkly. Uh, I had to throw some can I take on. a 30 second timeout? 
Oh yeah, because I need to take a hot. Oh piss. wow. So, Segway. Okay. Oh, we're back. We're back. Right, so, you just brought up Navy SEAL Edward Gallagher, and this is a very, very interesting, complicated story that I'm glad we're going to be touching on here. And if you're not familiar with who Chief Edward Gallagher is, he was a or is a 19-year Navy veteran. He was a Navy SEAL. He had I think around seven deployments overseas in active combat zones. Highly decorated individual. Silver Star, Bronze Star, V for Valor, Purple Heart. He's about as decorated as a veteran can be. And in his most recent deployment in 2017, he was deployed to Iraq where they were fighting ISIS, Navy SEALs, and our Iraqi Iraqi allies over there were fighting ISIS, front lines, hand-to-hand combat, house-to-house, as violent as it gets. And they, he was also a trained medic. And they captured an ISIS fighter who was believed to be around 16 years old. He was wounded. They captured him. The SEALs started helping him out medically, aiding him. And Gallagher comes over, and this allegedly, allegedly, this is the reports, allegedly takes a knife and kills this ISIS fighter, all alleged at this point. Prior to this incident, his fellow SEALs had become worried about his behavior. He had basically become AWOL in terms of not abiding by the United States military rules of combat. Allegedly had been had shot a group of teenagers or one of the one individual in this group shot an old man and so much so that his fellow seals were worried about him and were trying to give warning shots to the citizens of the city to let them know hide inside it's a very very complicated situation all the facts are well i don't know if we have all the facts yet and if we have i don't know them all yet but a very, very complicated situation with a very, very high-profile member of the United States military. And I believe the trial recently started. Gallagher's been in the brig down in San Diego for the last couple months, I believe. And this is going to be very interesting to see how the courts handle this because this is a pretty high-profile individual and it's really going to determine, well, it's a lot of things. It's, And the reason why, to me, it's it's so complicated is because this person has been in combat for the last 20 years of his life in some of the most atrocious, violent situations any human could ever imagine. And... We'll see how that we'll see how this plays out, but I'm but I'm fascinated by it, and I think it's uh, it's very interesting. Your thoughts on it? Extremely fascinating, extremely disturbing. It it is. It's interesting to look at, and so when I'm looking at it, there are a couple things running through my mind, and one is. Where, 
what kind of a person is Chief Edward Gallagher and what was his starting point and is he the same person he was in the beginning as he is now or has something occurred during the course of his numerous combat deployments that has changed who he is. So this is all alleged, obviously, but so I lean towards the idea that Chief Gallagher is guilty. And people people might get in, enraged by that. But here's why. Here's my logic and here's my reasoning. When I think of a Navy SEAL and somebody who joins the Navy SEALs, I think of somebody who realizes that they are possibly making one of the largest sacrifices a human being can make in their entire life in order to protect and defend something that they love and believe in. And I believe that the majority of Navy SEALs that get into it are doing it for very altruistic reasons and not selfish ones. So based upon that, the percentage of of Navy SEALs who are good people, who are not horrible monsters, is going to be much higher than than the inverse. Um, Based upon that, we have 12 Navy SEALs, at least, that I know of, who are verifying the truth of these statements, of these accusations. We have one who is saying that they're untrue. Um, other people are saying it, th- these accusations are untrue, but those are people that are that were not there when these events were occurring. The people who were there when the events were occurring are saying that it's true and they happened. So I, I tend to believe 12 versus 1, just mathematically, just percentage-wise. So based going on the basis that, that these accusations are true and that Edward Gallagher did carry out these horrific acts. Why did he do so? So, I... I agree with what you're saying about the 12 to 1. I, I, I kind of believe that these stories are true and, and he did do what they are accusing him of doing. But... The the thing that makes this complicated for me is that that amount of warfare for two decades would change mm-hmm. anybody, no matter how true and strong their moral principles are, no matter how much they abide by the rules of engagement and the rules of war. I just don't... I don't know. It's... I mean, if I was in that situation who knows what I would have done, but it, you're so, you have so many calluses of war on your body that that was what he did was probably, he probably didn't think twice about it. And in fact, I know, well, they said that he had his reenlistment right there with that body, that ISIS body in, Mm -hmm. in frame Mm -hmm. as a decoration for this momentous occasion for him. The yeah, I mean, these people are tasked with an almost impossible situation. But you are a member of the United States military. You are held to a higher standard than the enemy. 
you have to abide by these rules of war no matter how awful and hellish war can be and how complicated and murky and gray war can be at times where there is collateral damage you are still supposed to be held to the highest values of the United States military I agree I agree and I tend to lean towards the belief that this was a good person individually or initially who has been warped and distorted by the horrific things they've seen and done. But there's also a very small possibility. And, and this is a possibility that people don't like to even speak about. Some people get in the military because they enjoy killing. Some people do. It's a very small percentage. And I would, le- I would hope to believe that he's not one of those people, but it's possible based upon the actions that occurring, stabbing a defenseless, already wounded, unarmed individual, shooting individuals who were not combatants, an old man, a young female child. I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know how to look at this situation. I want to believe that he was initially a good person who got distorted, but it's also possible that a monster just made their way into the Navy SEALs. I think we have, in the last decade or so, been let into the special operations community more so than any other time in the past. With movies and books, it seems like every Navy SEAL who retires writes a book, and that's that's the decision they want to make, then that's, that's up to them. So I think we know a little bit more about the special operations community, and we might put it on a pedestal and, and glorify it and maybe make it something that it isn't. But if you're a Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, Green Beret, Delta, you're trained to kill. And that's first and foremost Definitely. what you're to do. You're a, you're a modern warfare fighter. When we deploy you, you're not going over there to hand out buckets of water. You're not over there to build. You're there to kill. And I think sometimes that gets mm-hmm. lost. We 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 kind of see faces now of some of these people who kind of humanizes them. We've in Zero Dark Thirty they had Chris Pratt I think was a Navy SEAL. We have a TV show on network television that's Navy SEALs or SEAL Team Six. So we kind of maybe they are unbelievably incredible machines of war, and that's what they are. That's what they prided themselves on. That's what they are created to do: is be small teams inserted into remote areas to carry out high-valued missions and those missions for the most part are to kill or to capture and i think sometimes we might forget that and some of the stories that we hear may be disturbing but that's what war is that's what these people are Mm -hmm. trained to do Mm -hmm. 100 percent and that training can irrevocably change a human being for better or for worse and it's a tough situation to put people in and in my opinion the less we can put people in those situations the better right but sometimes they're sometimes they're necessary so yeah it's it's a terrible situation it's extremely dark and but I think it's good that this is coming to light because I feel 
we have a distorted view of the military and of war in this country, and it's not a, a realistic, honest view of what's going on and what's occurring. And because of that, the public is more inclined to give their support to certain conflicts, regardless of how justified they are. We have seen a similar situation, not an identical situation, 40, 50 years ago, the My Lai Massacre, with Lieutenant mm-hmm. William Cowley, who was in charge of the My Lai Massacre, and brief overview of that was United States Marines went into a small hamlet in, in Vietnam and ended up killing everybody in this hamlet because they believed that they were the enemy. And that was a different war, but similar in the sense that the combatants were blended in with the civilian population. And the lieutenant of that, Lieutenant Cowley, ended up not serving any time and was released and was viewed by many back home as a hero for what he did. It was kind of split down the middle. They wrote a song about him that was top of the charts. So similar to Chief Gallagher, I am extremely interested as to how we handle this situation. My personal beliefs in terms of the punishment for his behavior, if everything he's accused of is true, is probably different than yours and it's probably controversial. I would like to see him out of the military and I don't know if how much He's threatened with life in prison right now, I believe. And I don't know if that is 100% what I believe he deserves. Yeah, I don't know either. And what here's what I do know. I do know that we have to remove him from a position where he can harm other Agreed. people. Would he be apt to harm other people in a in a context, in a setting, in an environment that is not a foreign combat zone? I don't I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know that he needs extensive psychological evaluation, rehabilitation and now evaluation. Yeah. Um before I would be okay in saying that that person can walk among the general public. Because I'm not a vindictive... I don't support vindictive sentencing. I don't support retributional, revenge-based sentencing. I don't think an eye for an eye. I think harm has already been caused. Will this person cause any more harm in the future? If so, we have to completely isolate them from the rest of society. If not, you know... (sighs) My my view of justice in the criminal justice system is completely different than a lot of people's. And like I said, I, I don't want retribution. And like life in prison, sure. Um, if, if that person has been shown to 
be unsafe for the rest of the society and we'd be putting other people's lives at risk or even their physical well-being, then yeah, lock that person up for the rest of their life. In fact, give them an opportunity to make that decision. Would you like to be locked up for the rest of their life or would you like us to put you to death? Because I believe no one should have to suffer that way either. Because for me, if I was locked up in prison for the rest of my life, I'll go ahead and take murder or suicide. You know, I, I'll go ahead and take you guys putting me to death or giving me the opportunity to put myself to death. That's just my personal opinion. But, um, yeah, one thing I do know is that we have to ensure that if these allegations are proved to be true, that Chief Gallagher is unable to harm any other human beings in the future. You know what would have prevented this entire situation? Is not having a 20-year war. Yep. I think yeah, I mean, no matter how strong you are, I, I, that amount of deployments would make anyone go over the edge. I think there should almost be a limit on the amount of combat tours so one, one individual can do. Certainly, and especially these types of tours. This isn't you're staying on yeah, some base in the this rear. This isn't being a security forces guard, you know, no. checking IDs and, and checking vehicles as they're coming into the base. This is somebody who's going out and performing right. high-level, extremely high-risk tactical missions to enact certain objectives in which you do so by killing people. Yes. Consistently. Over and over again. That's what you're there for. One tour would be unreal. Seven, I mean, that's absurd. And not to say that there aren't individuals who can who can do this, but I don't know what system is in place. I'm I'm not I'm not educated enough on that, but I don't know what system is in place if there is any system, system in place to psychologically evaluate these individuals. Not not to just have an avenue for them to reach out and say, hey, something's wrong and I need help. But an evaluation to say, I know you're not reaching out. I, I know you don't think anything's wrong, but something's wrong here. And we need to take a, a break from this until we can figure out what's going on and how to fix it. If that system's not in place, it needs to be put in place. Anything else on Chief Gallagher? Yeah, uh, not just on the chief, but on this whole process and what happened and how it happened. When these individuals came forward with these accusations, they were told it would cost them their careers. And that is another dark aspect of the military police. These institutions where the stakes are life and death, you have to have extreme loyalty to your teammates and the people who you are entrusting your life with. But because of those incentives, they sometimes become distorted to the point where even unlawful unjust inhumane acts are protected because it is seen as loyalty 
I, I would I would just like to commend the Navy SEALs. If these allegations are true, I'd like to commend the Navy SEALs who had the bravery to put their entire career, their livelihood, their reputation, everything. They put everything on the line in order to do what was right. And I would just like to commend that and recognize that. Absolutely. And I would like to condemn condemn the actions of the leadership that told them to shut up about this. And they were told multiple times that this would ruin their career, that this would be bad for the the teams, and yet they were persistent. They knew something was wrong, or allegedly, and they went ahead with it anyways. And and those are the exact kind of people I picture when thinking of Navy SEALs, someone who would do exactly that. Good, I'm glad you brought that up. And that's why I tend to believe those 12. But anyway. Um. Yeah, super dark, huh? Okay, cool. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> but I'm glad we covered so, that. Um, that, was, that was something that yeah. I, I felt is a good thing that we covered on this podcast. Definitely. And I feel like it's being covered. Minimally. I feel like it's being covered in one of... One of well, not only minimally, but if it is being covered, it's being covered in one of two ways. In fact, I have articles pulled up here, and let me read you some of the headlines. Let me just read them. So, one of the articles, the headline is "What motivated fellow seals to dime out Eddie Gallagher." This is the Navy Times. It is a publication that is ran by the Navy. Interesting title for me. And a title that exemplifies the issues that we just discussed. What motivated... Fellow SEALs to dime out Eddie Gallagher. Interesting. It's just... So you have those two... Those two sides of the same coin. Um, You have a certain political leaning (laughs) periodical that portrays what's happening in one light. Where they say that, oh, this is all bullshit made up by people who were serving under Eddie Gallagher who said they were too tough on him, had too high standards. Other people um, view it as, oh, look at these horrific war crimes committed by this murderer. When really it's probably somewhere in between. Not, Not the actions, but the portrayal of the person who was responsible for them. Is he, her, are the actions horrific? Absolutely. Is it as simple as saying he's a horrific monster? Maybe, but probably not. I mean, this is a family man, someone who, by all accounts, when he is in the United States, is an upstanding citizen, a great member of the community, a loving father and husband. Right. That should be also be mentioned. As far as I know, stateside, I haven't read anything negative about him. 
So I, I'm glad we got to cover it because I think we did a not to tour our own horn, our own horn but we unlike other news outlets have shown the complexity of this issue and that it's not as simple as certain news outlets are trying to make it. In my opinion, it's as complex as a military trial can be. Definitely. Definitely. And it goes deeper than just his action on that day. It does. It's that's it's not just that's a the, culmination. It's not a trial and examination of just one individual's actions and the circumstances surrounding it. It's a examination of an entire branch of the not branch of the military, an entire segment of our existence as humans, an entire portion of our government and how it's ran and the issues that it encounters when dealing with an incredibly complicated and difficult set of tasks and objectives. So it's interesting. I could take it one final thing that I remember reading recently within the last year or so, there was an admiral talking about how the special forces are running thin because they've been at war since 2001 and due to political reasons they have been the main fighting force the last couple years because when we put conventional boots on the ground then you kind of have to say all right we are at war with this country and we're doing these missions but when you just have your special forces there that are quote-unquote training our allies or are in an advisory role which really means they're embedded with these and they're still fighting that the special forces aren't supposed to be some panacea that can just fight wars on their own they're supposed to be a break glass in case of emergency like all right we just got attacked 9-11 let's send the special forces unit to go get these guys right now in Tora Bora but not to fight a war on the front lines for 18 years straight there's just just due to the simple how hard it is how much training goes involved how small the actual unit is and it's small because of how specialized it is and how hard and the high high how high the attrition rates of the training are that that's just you have 2,000 members you don't have 300,000 members like you do in the conventional military and our resources are running thin and people are they have these long deployments and are deployed constantly and that's this is one of the drawbacks of that is your resources are human beings and this is a negative outcome of that of being overworked well said well said well i think we put a pretty good bow yeah, topic. I'd like to give an update the next time we reconvene about how that trial is going. Yeah, that's something we'll continue to keep an eye on and see how it evolves and how it plays out because, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's there go one so Let's just talk about deep, s- dark rabbit let's hole. Let's talk about sports, yeah. huh? So get, get some uh, mindless uh, entertainment sort of competition yeah. between. Yeah. <laughs> 
different field of battle. Did you see that ridiculous Kawhi Leonard the, shot? The, no. the quadruple doink? Seriously. Yeah, though. unbelievable shot. Yeah. Happy for the guy. Oh, What a shot. One of my favorite NBA players. Just Is one he? of my favorite NBA because players. Because of his Definitely. stoicism? Oh, yeah. Stoicism, just the decisions he makes in life, his financial responsibility, his... They try to throw shade on him with the quad tendinopathy thing. Is just, but he appears by all accounts to be just a an incredible teammate, leader, and basketball player and person outside of the basketball court. So I love Kawhi. I'm glad he was able to nail that shot. Glad he's having success in Toronto. And I think that series is more interesting than the Western Conference one, uh, Raptors versus the Bucks. And you want to talk about that a little bit? You like the Raptors Bucks more than the Western Conference? Really? Oh, yeah. You are oh, a big yeah. Greek freak guy. Huge Greek freak guy. Huge. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree. I think both series are awesome, and I think the NBA playoffs thus far have been awesome. I agree. I just don't think the Warriors Trailblazers is as competitive or has as good of a storyline as the Bucks Raptors. You don't think two brothers I facing off is a good storyline? No, nope. <laughs> don't uh, care. All right, teach their own. <laughs> I don't care. I think both series will be awesome. Uh, and I think the the Raptors Bucks is good uh, matchup of kind of an experienced, more veteran team versus a youthful, um, up and coming team in the Bucks. You know, Toronto's been in the Eastern Conference playoffs for years on end. The Bucks are just kind of making their run up. The Bucks have a younger squad than the Raptors. It'll be interesting to see whether the experience and savviness of the Raptors is able to overcome the athleticism and youth of the Bucks. So, do you think the ratings would do well for a Raptors Trailblazers finals? <laughs> Absolutely, I think not. it would be the worst in no. NBA history. <laughs> it would be pretty bad. Pretty bad. The Warriors have to be in it to be able to salvage any sort of ratings. Am I a bad person? Am I a bad person for wanting the Warriors to win it all again? Yes. Yes, you are. Yeah. I thought, I, yeah. Why, I had why do you want the Warriors to win it all again? Why? I like watching greatness. And they're pretty great. I agree. I agree um, entirely. Same thing with Alabama. Uh, like I don't, I don't mind seeing them win. Mm -hmm. Patriots. I don't mind seeing it. Mm -hmm. I like to. I just there's a feeling that I get when a team is constructed versus when <sighs> constructed in the way that established uh, veterans who have proven themselves to be skilled, have left left other teams, taken smaller contracts to be there. The Bucks are seem a little more organic in the fact that, you know, their players have been drafted by them, have been developed by the franchise, have come up through the system. I don't know. I shouldn't put more value in that, but I do. For that's some cool. It's weird. I got no problems with that. If that's what you want to believe. But it, but it should be... 
both should be good series. The only reason the Warriors Trailblazers is going to be competitive is because of the question marks of Kevin Durant's injury and how extensive that is. He's definitely missing game one, but we'll see. Do you think it's an uh, Achilles? How much that affects him. And they're just not saying it? I mean, it definitely could be. It's obviously not a complete tear, but he could have partial tear there. And I don't know. Kevin Durant's been very smart about his career, and I wouldn't think he would put his future on the line for one series. But yeah. maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I feel like I haven't gotten an official. It sure looked like an Achilles. Didn't look no. good. <laughs> I know that much. Um, I do know, and I had a, I had a girlfriend who was a very competitive gymnast and tore her Achilles, and it's not an injury you want to have. And if it is a complete tear, you, it sounds like you know right okay. when it happened. So maybe they're just being disingenuous about that. Uh, and and it, you know, if it's a complete tear, it kind of rolls up like a window shade. That's so gnarly. Hard to tell on Kevin Durant, is, though, right? Well, he doesn't have a whole lot. <laughs> There's not a whole lot, lot of calf to roll up. He doesn't need a whole lot of calf. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that about the three-quarter pants. Oh, like, yeah, Kevin he Durant them. needs those to keep to keep his legs think, together. Yeah, That's why they're there. Them. You think he goes full pants after this? Ooh. Didn't go mm. down quite far mm, enough, why huh? Not? Yeah, <laughs> something to think about moving forward. Full-length pants. Footy pajamas. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's time to admit that I used to wear the three-quarters pants when I played football. Yeah. I know you did. I just don't yeah. want to say anything. That's all right. They're comfortable, I'll though. I'll let you. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like the bottom layer of like three I under, layers. I understand the three-quarters. Why three-quarters? Why it not was, It was in back in the day. It was in. Yeah. Back in 2014. I mean, if that's what you like, that's what you like. But I mean, that you know, I shouldn't be. There were more. I wear skinny. There were jeans more layers of it, though. I mean, there was two other layers on top of it, though. So it was just coming out like yeah. the bottom of the knee. Yep. I mean, I still had my gotcha. pa- my pants with pads in them on top of that, plus a girdle. So there was a lot. Of, yeah. There was a lot of other stuff going on. A lot yeah. of stuff happening a lot, there. A lot of protection. So. Since we've convened last, there were there was a pretty large boxing fight. I don't know if you... Canelo? Happened to see it at all. Happened on the Cinco de Mayo. Did you catch it at Did all? Did not. Saw the replay highlights. But I'll let you take the lead on that. Yeah, so on Cinco de Mayo, on Dazone, Dazen, I still don't know how D-A-Z-N. to pronounce it. Uh, yeah, the sports streaming service. Canelo Alvarez, as he does every Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day, uh, had another big fight against Danny Jacobs. 160-pound title was on the line. And coming into this, there was some speculation that Canelo Alvarez's knee was injured, compromised, and didn't seem to affect him much. What I want to say about this fight is I'm just completely impressed with Canelo and his development as his career has progressed. I don't know if it was the fact that his knee was injured, if it's something that he's been focusing on, if it's just a strategy that he had, but his head movement was ridiculous in this fight. And it just reminded me of Cinderella Man. Have you seen Cinderella Man? Oh, yeah. What? In my opinion, one of the most underrated boxing yeah, James movies J. of all time. Unbelievable. Like, 
when you talk when you talk about boxing movies, Raging Bull gets thrown to the forefront. That's a great movie. Um, over and over again, as it should. But I feel like Cinderella Man was a great movie that just doesn't get. Yeah, it was as nice. It was also a historical respect. film with the Great Depression, Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden, Max Baer. It's a lot of a lot of good stuff going on yeah. there. Russell Crowe, Renee Zellweger. Phenomenal. It's good. Phenomenal Solid cast. movie. Paul um, Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, yep. Hooverville. Exactly. Good stuff. So in in the movie, James J. Braddock injures his right hand and is forced to only fight with his left. His left develops and it becomes good and then his career takes off once his right hand. Why was it James J. Braddock? Why wasn't it James Braddock? It's to distinguish from James Q. Braddock? Yeah. No, I don't Jimmy know. Jimmy Q. <laughs> it's... Anyways, you know, it just sounds yeah, it does. good. It really does. Prestigious. Mm-hmm. But so Canelo with his his knee injury, I don't know if that's what spurred all this, but it seems like, and man, his head movement was the best we've ever seen from Canelo Alvarez. He was slipping, he was rolling, he was even even the shots that Danny Jacobs quote unquote landed, he was taking the heat off of them. He looked fantastic in making Danny Jacobs miss, and. The scorecards were not super wide, but in my opinion, it was a dominant performance by Canelo, and I thought he looked phenomenal in doing so. Where does he go from here? So, to me, there's two options for Canelo from this fight. And one, they had Demetrius Andrade on, or Andrade, however you pronounce it. Jessica Andrade pronounces it Andrade. <laughs> But anyway, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. Uh, Demetrius Andrade, another champion at 160 pounds. They had him on the broadcast. We're asking him his thoughts on the fight, so that could be a possibility. They also had Triple G in super dark sunglasses, wearing his sunglasses at night indoors. Uh, that's not a good Good nope. look by the new Triple G. That never G. works out well uh, for we'll, fighters. We'll, we'll get to his um, situation. His Yeah, his situation in just a moment, but... I think those are the two front runners right there. Uh, either either Demetrius Andrade or Triple G. Um, possibly they could feed Jaime Munguia to him at a later date, but I don't think they're ready for that right now. So, Your thoughts on either of those? Which, by the way, if he fights either of those fighters, I am heavily favoring. Triple G is not getting any younger, and... No, he's not. He got screwed, obviously the first time around. Score. I don't. I don't know if there's anything to gain for either one of those boxers taking that third fight. Tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> um, Canelo's in contract, so he's he already, has to. He has to take them. But from but, the actual fight standpoint, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess it'd be fun to watch again, but the damage inflicted on both of them for. I don't see it. Yeah, and we'll see because uh, Triple G's 37, 38 years old. You you tend to lose. You got to lose a step. You tend to lose something off there unless you're supplementing at that age. And as we've seen, though, recently, 37, 38 is not the 37, 38 it was 20, 30 years ago. I mean, guys are having career resurgences. They're winning titles, and not just in boxing, but MMA as well. You know, these late career resurgences, these late career title runs, they're, they're occurring. Um, 
you know, Yo- Yoel Romero's darn near 40 years old. Um, I've never actually seen Bernard yeah. Hopkins obviously had his run late, late into his career. He was 50 something when he started, stopped fighting. So, I mean, Randy Couture was the guy, but that was a different scenario, different time, different. Anyway. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's anything to gain by Triple G fighting that. I don't think Canelo has anything to gain because whether or not you thought the fights were close, the fact of the matter is Canelo got both decisions. Right. I would like to see them both move on. I would like to see them both try to go different directions in their career. Um, I would like to see Canelo fight Charlo, um, Jermel or Jermall, I always get him mixed up, and I need to devote more effort in getting him straight. I would like to see him fighting fighting um, whichever Charlo brother is at middleweight, because I think that's the best fight for him at 160. Andrade, sure, if he fights him, I wouldn't be too upset with that. Billy Joe Saunders, even though I don't want to see Billy Joe Saunders really make another dollar in his life. Um, and, or Callum Smith. At 168, I would like to see how far Canelo can go up. He's he's not very tall, but his boxing skills are incredible, and he seems like a very strong fighter. He's a pretty thick um, guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel Jacobs kind of dwarfed him, but it was not evident that Jacobs was using his strength to bully Canelo around or anything like that in the fight, so... Let's see. I mean, can he beat Callum Smith at 168? Can he beat, you know, the light of the likes of Dmitry Bivol or Sergey Kovalev? Even could we see that fight happen? I don't know. I'd like to see what Canelo can do. Uh, we'll see what he does. Uh, there are two trains of thought with fighters in their career. Some just like to stay at the weight class that they're best at and just reign over that weight class for a long time. Some like to go up and see how far they can push themselves in terms of entering new weight classes and winning titles even with a size disadvantage. Lomachenko's doing that right now at 135. He is too small for that weight class, in my opinion. Uh, Manny Pacquiao has done that. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, probably his ideal weight class is probably around 130, 135. So... It'll be interesting. interesting interesting, to see where he goes with his career. I think Canelo goes down as an all-time great no matter what happens. I think he is cementing his legacy. His only loss is obviously to Floyd Mayweather, and he was very young and inexper- well, relatively inexperienced when he fought that fight. I don't know if that, how that fight goes. Um, if they were both in their primes, who knows? But very interesting, very good to see. Um Canelo continuing to improve, and now I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Definitely. A couple other boxing fights happened uh, more recently. Julian J. Rock Williams' decision Jarrett Hurd to become the unified champion at 154 pounds. And this was just great to watch for me because, A, fight of the year candidate, just an incredible back-and-forth fight. Jarrett Hurd at 154 has been kind of this physically imposing bully that wears people down and then ends up, you know, having these late rallies like he did against uh, Lara, and he he ends up wearing you down and then winning late. Julian Williams, most people, I mean, honestly know him for getting knocked out by whichever Charlo brother is at 154. <laughs> and, and, and they wrote him off. They wrote him off. 
his entire career basically and he says this in his post fight interview if you haven't watched his post fight interview i highly recommend that you go do that it was extremely heartfelt and i thought a great interview and he forever has a fan in me a because of his performance in this fight and b because of that post fight interview um the fight itself he did what all anybody analyzing this fight would have told him not to do what he did in this fight Instead of staying on the outside and trying to box with Hurd um, in space, he played right into Hurd's strength, in most people's opinion, and got up in his kitchen, and they were fighting in a phone booth the entire time. I mean, these guys were grinding their temples together and just working on the inside, throwing shots. Not a whole lot of clinching, which I like to see when these guys are inside, but just kind of getting shoulder to shoulder, temple to temple, and just creating space and throwing shots when they could. And it was a physically grueling, brutal fight where both guys, you know, gave pretty well. Um, but Julian Williams very clearly won a decision, which I think was a little wider than what the scorecards had down. I think he won eight rounds to four with the knockdown. So he won by about five points or so. But incredible fight, great fight for that division, which I think the the parody in that division makes it very interesting. You have Charlo, um, who's fighting Tony Harrison, Charles Harrison. I forget what his name is. Uh, you have um, Hurd, who was undefeated, unified champ, who just lost to Williams. You have Williams, who lost to Charlo. It's just interesting, and um, Jaime Munguia is also in that weight class and uh, is an undefeated champion, so it'll just be interesting to see those guys go back and forth and see how it all shakes out. Got me fired up for that. Dude, I love boxing <laughs> right now. <laughs> I can tell. I mean, I mean, people... People don't speak people, highly of people it right are always now. shitting on it. They're like, yeah. yeah, boxing's dead. There's not a lot of great fights. Yeah. There's not a lot of great fights. They're, ju- they're just not it's paying attention. It's a very attention. common, boxing, cheap thing to say, I've noticed. It's like that people like to echo that sentiment, and I think it's outdated. Super outdated. I mean, you had the saga of Canelo and Triple G at 160. You have what I just described at 154. You have welterweight, 147, where you have Manny Pacquiao fighting Keith Thurman. Manny Pacquiao, who... He's he's north of 40, I think, or or at 40, um, fighting an undefeated champion for the title again. Yeah, that dude's resurrected his career. Incredible storyline. Mm-hmm. He, If he wins this fight, you have to consider him on your Mount Rushmore as far as greatest fighters of all wow. time. You in, And within that same that same weight class, you have Terrence Crawford, undefeated, multiple, multiple division champion who looks like a, a wrecking ball. And then you have Errol Spence, undefeated champion, who has just crushed everybody that they put in front of him, who beat multi-division champion Mikey Garcia. At the lower weight classes, you have Vasil Lomachenko. At 130, you have Miguel Burchell, who just won a uh, uh, six-round stoppage over Francisco Vargas. And then you have Gervonta Davis at that weight class. You have up-and-coming Teofimo Lopez. You have the saga of Ryan Garcia and his various social media accounts. <laughs> um, you have Naoya Inoue, who's fighting this weekend. One of the... 
one of the best lightweight champions we've seen in a long time, who's very entertaining to watch, who has tons of knockouts. At heavyweight, you have the the parody of Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua. I could go on and on and on. Boxing's great right now. If you don't like what's happening in boxing right now and you say boxing's dead, then you're either A, not a fan of the sport, or B, not really paying attention. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I could go on. Regis Progray. Like, there's so many oh, so many great fighters right now. Um, so I just wanted to talk about those fights and then mention the upcoming fights. Like I said, Inoue is competing in the semifinals of the World Boxing Su- Super Series at 118 pounds. He's fighting Emmanuel Rodriguez, who is 19-0 with 12 Ks K- or knockouts. Um, this is going to be on DAZN. And then we also have on that same card, Ivan Baranchik fighting Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor, uh, a UK gold medalist, also undefeated, fighting the undefeated Baranchik. And they're in the semifinals of the World Boxing Super Series at 140 pounds. The winner of that gets Regis Progray in the final. I'm super excited for both those fights. And then not as excited for this fight but it's something to watch is Deontay Wilder's fighting this weekend, uh, May 18th against Dominic Brazil in a fight where he should just knock him out. So sweet. A lot of good boxing. Definitely. If, if you're semi interested in it, I would suggest trying to trying to start following the sport. Cause it's just, it's great. Absolutely. There's tons of great fights right now. Hell yeah. Staying in the fighting realm, let's go ahead and move on to UFC. And speaking of late career resurgences, Donald Cowboy Cerrone getting it done. That man knows how to win fights. (laughs) Did you see this fight, Tommy? I saw the replay of it. Didn't see it live. Your thoughts? Love the guy. Guy gets after it. Uh, Always excited to watch him. And how, how many wins does he have in the UFC? He has the record, right? Most wins? I believe he has the most wins all time, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, curious to see where he goes from here. I'll let you l- do the breakdown of this exact fight, but uh, always happy to see him win. Yeah, and Don Cerrone is, yeah, most wins of all time. Don Cerrone, 23. Next is George St. Pierre, Michael Bisping, and Demi and Maya tied for 20. So. Incredible, incredible career body of work. Um, probably one of the best UFC fighters to never have a UFC title. Would you say that's fair? I think that is fair and kind of a crazy stat to have the most wins but not have a title. Just I know. Kind of how and his career has played out. Just someone who stayed at the top of the division forever, and he is 36 years mm-hmm. old. Um, and he, in his last three fights, in my opinion, he's really looked great and possibly looked better than he's ever looked his boxing is cleaner than it's ever been his defense is better than it's ever been and that strangely enough coincides with him leaving um greg jackson's camp in albuquerque and he is now being trained by joe Schilling, a very highly respected kickboxing uh and muay thai champion and he looks great looks fantastic um you know, maybe this is the change he's needed all along. He wasn't getting the right instruction. And sometimes that happens. You get the right fighter with the right trainer. 
and it just all clicks all of a sudden. We saw that with TJ Dillashaw and Dwayne Ludwig. Um, TJ just, you know, was at the top of the division, but never a champion. Got with Dwayne and won the champion, won the title and defended it a couple times. So sometimes you just need to find the right trainer. And that circles back to actually Triple G tra- changing from Abel Sanchez to Jonathan Banks. But I think we're past that now. But uh, yeah, great to see for Cowboy Cerrone. And I'm super excited for his next fight, which they announced. Did you see that? Uh, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. An incredibly wow. difficult fight for Donnie, Donald Cerrone, but definitely, definitely a title eliminator. The, the winner of this, if they don't get the title shot, they should physically assault <laughs> He might. That's that's <laughs> me being facetious. I am not uh, endorsing violence any violence Dana being White. carried out about, yeah, against the um, human tomato that is Dan. <laughs> White, so. uh, that's great. Did you see any of the most recent fights, uh, UFC 237? I saw Rose Nama Yunus, Thug Rose, get slammed on her head, and that made me sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird, because we'll see, pe- like, a regular knockout getting punched in the head, getting kicked in the head. It makes me sad, but for some the reason, slam was, getting yeah, slammed on your head. Right. It, Almost surprising that it's illegal. It, it, <laughs> yeah, but no. not really, though. Um I saw Anderson. Yeah, so yeah. we'll we'll start with the main event, um, Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade uh, for the 115 pound title in the women's division. Rose was looking damn good up until that slam. Let me tell you, I mean, she landed a hell of a knee on Jessica Andrade's chin that dropped her. Uh, probably would have finished a couple other girls, but women. Um, Rose looked great. Right up until the slam. So this is a fight that she's going to want back. This is a fight that I would love to see the rematch. And uh, that's good because I was kind of looking around 115 like, uh, after Andrade, who do we have for Rose? Mm -hmm. Anyone. Anyone. So it's good. Uh, I'd like to see it ran back and see if the result is the same or different. So Yeah, she was kind of cryptic in the post-fight interview rose was about saying it was like a weight off of her shoulders no longer being the champ so maybe psychologically that's that's been a lot for her to handle and maybe she'll do better as a contender and not the actual champion and sometimes that's the case Mm -hmm. uh people like to be a lot of people who people like to hunt not be the hunted yeah exactly exactly so we'll see how that turns out for on to other things that make me sad. Oh, Anderson Silva fought Jared Cannonier. Cannonier? Cannonier? Who knows? It's Cajun. Uh, I don't know. In the co in the co main event of this fight card, and he lost in a horrific fashion, considering his previous leg injuries. Right. He he got kicked in the knee by Jared. Cannoneer and went down and man he was just writhing in pain and so is that just a really bad bruise is that is that what that is excuse my ignorance well i i don't know i haven't looked up the medical okay. reports but is that is that common i feel very, like i haven't seen that it's not very common it has happened to other fighters um where they get kicked in the knee and it either tears something or just gives way but 
he looked like he was in a lot of pain. I would think that would it would be more than uh, it says avoid serious injury four hours ago. Let me see here. That's strange. Strange to me that he'd be in that much pain. Yeah, just like a really bad stinger. Maybe, honestly, maybe it was a mental mm. issue. I mean, Anderson Silva, if you don't know, had a horrific leg injury yes. where his leg basically folded in half. One of uh, the worst athletic injuries you'll ever see. Yeah, he just pulled his leg back and tried to step on it, and it was rubber. Yeah, you don't ever and, want to watch that replay. Uh, I, believe, I believe his foot touched his knee, upper thigh, Gross. which shouldn't happen. Gross. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that is traumatic mentally and maybe just the pain of that kick he was very worried about what was happening so it's hard for me to speculate but sad to see because i mean that should be the end of his career in my opinion um anderson silva's damn near 40 years old probably 40 plus has been fighting for a long time has accomplished pretty much everything you can in the sport i i don't think he has anything left to prove i hope he's financially secure and hopefully he can just walk away so it was a rough night for brazil up until the the main event because another brazilian legend suffered a defeat yep jose aldo uh fighting at 145 versus alexander volkanovsky i believe is what you're referring to and Aldo, one of my favorite fighters of all time, as was Silva, and just sad to see these Brazilian legends in the twilight of their career getting beaten by the, the young hungry lions who are up and coming. And uh, Aldo, honestly, I mean, this wasn't a devastating loss. It just looked like he could not find his rhythm and find his offense against Volkanovski. Um, didn't get particularly savaged physically just got out pointed throughout this fight and i don't know what it was maybe it was an off night maybe just mentally he couldn't get into rhythm couldn't get going but a strange fight for jose aldo and i don't know where he goes from here either not really a not really much of a feature in his career you know he he could stay around the top of the division beat some guys lose to others but at this point, you would hope that he's financially secure enough that he could just walk away and enjoy enjoy retirement with his family. So, you there? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have on fighting sports. Do you have any... Uh, any other hot topics? No, but I'm glad we. I'm always glad when uh, I can talk fight the fight game with you, get some inside information. I have one other sports topic that I would like to cover. Yeah, and that is uh, the fastest kid alive. <laughs> have you been following Matthew Bull? I have. I saw the most recent update, the the video of him. In the four by four hundred, he was the the anchor leg, and just tracked down, hunted, killed, maimed the poor sprinter, and ended up winning the event. Is he going to get faster? Do you think? Just defying. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Matthew Bowling. 
Yeah, Matthew Bowling, Texas uh, high school state champion in the uh, 100 meter. He ran a 9.98 100 meter to qualify for state, and then in the state competition, ran a 10.13. So. I mean, he's 18 years old, so I would think that there's still room for improvement. I, th- I believe he's going to Georgia. I don't know what their track and field program's like, but I would imagine that he can get faster. Yeah, I would think so, unless he is... And is it cynical of me to think that he's on No, it's not. It's a totally normal reaction to seeing that. And I think at Texas high school sports, you do whatever it takes to win. Wink, wink. But maybe he's doing it the right way. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where his career goes from here. Because like you said, I mean, he's not the person you picture <laughs> when thinking about somebody who wins the 100 meter. It's just... It's, he's just not. It's, it's just the way it is. Yeah, don't hate me. It's... Yeah. It's facts. I mean... Let's see... I don't know. I can't think of the last white 100-meter winner in the Olympics. No. Since the since before the war? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, before there were camera crews on scene. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So it'll be interesting because with those times, he's competitive. Yeah. I mean, he Olympic trials. He'd be up there. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting Absolutely. to see. Absolutely. But well, that's pretty much all I had. Did you get it or no? I have not yet, but I will be checking ferociously throughout the rest of the day, and I'll obviously let you know as soon as I hear yeah, something. Sh- should I edit yeah. it out? <laughs> but yeah, man. I'll, sure. Obviously, but, yeah. as soon as I know, I'll let you know. Perfect. Cool, bro. Enjoy the well, uh, the rest of your break. Time off. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. Putting more things in boxes. That's exciting. You know, get, getting ready for that. Happy move. for you and the fam. So. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great to expand. Get into a larger spot. Not have upstairs neighbors.